What's up, family? Welcome back to the Stop Sinking Show, where we go from struggle to flow. I have a heavy question for you today. What do you think happens to us after death? Now, my intention here is not to answer this question because quite honestly, I don't think any of us know for certain and I have probably some ideas. But if I was to ask each one of you individually, I would probably get unique answers from each one of you. And maybe there would be some overlap in ideas. But nonetheless, you had ideas that came to your head when I asked you this question. Now, where we picked up those ideas as a topic of discussion for another day, it could be from society, religion, movies. Who knows where we pick up our entire collection of ideas and which ones have hardened into beliefs and operating systems. The reason I'm asking this question is less about the answer and more about the often romantic ideas we have around death. The ideas alone that you have about death might be ruling your life. At times, romantic enough that in hard moments of life, we wish for it. We want to rush to it. At times, we abdicate living life altogether and resign to it to the little time that we have left before reaching death. Regardless of our age, I've seen this in every age group. A lot of us have deeply embedded ideas about the length of our life and what is left and how much we can accomplish in what is left. And that entire calculation is done at the feet of death and our ideas about it. Sometimes without realizing, the way we talk about it is in a foolish enough way to think of it as another life, as a place to go, as a place to reach, as another chapter. And while it might be, because it is said that death is the middle of a long life, it is never intended to make us minimize the life on the way there. This is just our tendency surfacing, our constantly looking forward and past the current moment tendency. All those next chapters that we keep looking forward to, which all ultimately converge to death, that's where they all reach. But the punchline is, none of us know that timeline, and then to use the reaching of death to overlook the value of life, to resign the very breath you have, instead of using death as a finality that motivates you to live, is a grave mistake. Pun intended. I guess it all comes down to my original question and your answers about the ideas you have about death. Whether you see it as a finality or as a spiritual transformation, whether it scares you or you embrace it, but still none of the ideas, no matter what frame you want to put them in, are ever meant for you to discount the life on the way there. It is often overheard in my culture for an elder to use death casually in a sentence as a justification for remaining the way that they are. Even my own father, who when challenged about something, says, my time is up, I'm at the end of my chapter, maybe I have two years to live. Almost as if even one extra day is not enough of a justification to live a beautiful life. As if you could not use the next two years, 700 days to string together as many beautiful days as possible. What else is happiness anyway? 
just a bunch of those kinds of days that you want to have and as many of them grouped together as possible. So then even the next two years presents you with 700 something opportunities at happiness and fulfillment. If I was to pontificate on why people do this, when they use this idea of death to minimize their life, when they say it in a conversation so casually, a couple things come to mind. One is to garner sympathy. Unfortunately, we are too amused by sympathy, especially when we feel a deficit of care and attention in our life. The other is almost maybe to take something away from the person they are saying it to. Like I take myself away from you when I die in a way to maybe hurt the other person or to snatch away their toy, so to speak, to take away their opportunity to have you, to make them deal with the pain and the finality of not having another opportunity to say or do anything else with you. Another is maybe that you or this person who is saying death and I'm almost dead, I'm almost going to die soon, my life is almost over. Another reason why they may be saying these kinds of things is because they are so deeply hurt themselves and or are so resigned from their own life that they are living that they want to bring in another person to feel what they are feeling. All of these casual statements have some romanticized or at the least minimized respect given to the idea of death, which in turn leads to a person also being just as casual and minimizing with their life. I've talked about this before, but in my country where social mobility is difficult and a person feels bound to their fate because of the family they are born in and the resources that they weren't afforded, I've seen the most tragic version of this in 25-year-old men who have now abandoned all hopes for themselves and their future and have put the weight of their entire contribution of their life into their children. I've heard 25-year-old men say to me, I did what I could, I didn't go to school, I didn't study, and now my kids are two and five, so I'm just living for them, trying to give them a good life, so maybe they can grow up and be something. Ironically, the same thing their parents probably tried to do for them. And thanks to the advancement in technology, the lack of social mobility isn't necessarily a lifelong curse to their kids. But I would argue that at 25, it's not like they themselves couldn't go and have the same opportunities afforded to them. But it's their ideas of death and their own life and their lack of value that they have, that they give their life that has left them with almost nothing left to do in their minds. Almost as if they have started to count down their days of life already to death. This only reminds me of a story Bob Proctor told once about his 60-year-old grandmother. Similar to the elders that I just spoke about, she could also be overheard often saying, I could be gone any day now. I'm at the end of my life. I could be gone any day. And she lived to 94 years old, another 34 years from when she in her mind was gone already. On the flip side, he had his 16-year-old best friend, bright-eyed, excited about the rest of his life, looking forward to everything, who got a car for her 16th birthday and died in a car crash the same day. Who was younger in this case? The person with more of the life left, right? In reality, his 60-year-old grandmother was younger than his 16-year-old friend because she had 
more opportunity available to her in the time allotted. And let's not skip over this quickly. Allotment of time. How much of it you have until the end of you is not in your hands. Ironically, some of us act like we're never going to die and procrastinate and delay everything because we are counting on living to 80 or 90 or whatever. And on the other side, it's the people who I spoke about who have already given up on their life and are almost twiddling their thumbs until death visits. And sadly but surely, none of them know what they have been allotted. One of my favorite rap lyrics is Joey's mom talking to him about his drug abuse and reckless habits. And it goes, she told me there's a higher power and a lower power and that I'll die if I don't find the strength to overpower. Then I replied, well, aren't we all? She said, yeah, but that should be on God's terms, not yours. And I could end the episode right here because there's not much more I need to say. Yeah, but that should be on God's terms, not yours. The only thing that is on your terms is what you do in this exact moment. Even the next second is unpredictable. Just this one is the only one you can count on. That's the one you can live on your own terms. The rest is not in your hands. Not for you to resign to or romanticize about. Because in that very action, you forego your own power. What will you do if you have another 25 years to live? but you have already resigned. What will you do with your life? When you die is not in your hands. And what a waste of opportunity that would be. You know, we are quick to say to someone that we love that I would die for you because it seems so much easier to us, but still it seems like this expression of the highest form of dedication to that person. But the highest form of dedication is how about you live for them? How about you truly really live how about you wake up every day and every moment choose to encounter your demons not escape opt for dealing with a difficulty take up every opportunity to lean into the uphill climb of life your devotion is if you lived in the service of something not just if you are willing to die in the service of it that's too quick and painless for you What makes you think it's meant to be easy for you? The hard thing is to live in the painstaking agony of what it takes on a day-to-day basis to expand yourself in your life, to decide at even 25 years old as a housekeeper that you can serve your family, your children by being more than you are today, by not letting yourself get away with the resignation of life that you have accepted. That every day, Every moment gives you the opportunity to be something, to be someone completely different. That's the hard path. To pay your ignorance debt in each area that you are blind. To etch away, to hammer away at the expansion, at the molding of you. That is what is meant to honor life. That is real dedication to someone you love. And the chances are when you do, you will not want to die. The first podcaster that I ever listened to religiously Dan Miller passed away a couple days ago. He went from a completely healthy, active 78-year-old, putting out two podcasts a week, to a terminal diagnosis and passing away within a matter of two months. Not in his hands. None of us know. Well, some of us say it casually. While he was living his life to the fullest, it was clear he did not look past each day and its beauty, 
He respected his life. He honored it. And in that, he approached the idea of his death in the most dignified way that I have ever seen. But still, sudden, unexpected, not something he ever resigned to, not something he ever used to discount his life. And I thank God for that because he really lived. He honored life up until his last breath and was a beacon of light to me. And what a tragedy it would be if he wasn't, if that wasn't the case, if he discounted his life. Because when it's your time to go, it's your time to go, I guess. Sudden, fast, abrupt, or drawn out with suffering. Either way, that's in God's hands. He gave you two of your own to mind. What's yours? What's in your hand? So stay in your pay grade and live. Because death owes you no dues. I love you, family. Stay true, always. I'll see you on the next show.